Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview. I was having a conversation in the back, and uh, I read a quote to Josh, and it's coincidentally, I'm going to read it to you. It wasn't planned. I wasn't planning on reading it. But because it's a 27th, 27 year anniversary of the quote on today, May 21st, I decided to read it. It's always nice when you get a compliment from an unexpected source. And so I'm going to read it and you'll understand. It says, perhaps the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change the church ever did happened in the first century. The holy day, the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday, the day of the Lord was chosen not from any directions noted in the scriptures, but from the church's sense of its own power. The day of resurrection, the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, came on the first day of the week. So this would be the new Sabbath. People who think the scripture should be the sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventists and keep Saturday holy. Amen. It was said in the Senate Pastors Page, St. Catherine Catholic Church in Algonac, Michigan, May 21st, 1995. And I'll read that last part again. People who think that the scriptures should be the sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventists and keep Saturday holy. Amen? Unexpected. And it was May 21st, 1995. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon titled Service to the End. It was about the characteristics of those in the New Jerusalem that spans all the wide range spectrum of people that will be saved. It doesn't matter whether they knew Jesus or not. It doesn't matter if they lived before or after the cross. These individuals lived a life surrendered to God or to a higher cause as they understood it that was greater than themselves. They followed the light that they knew, and despite some of them not knowing Jesus by name, we concluded they were all saved because of the merits of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They lived for others and not for themselves. They were completely surrendered to live for other people. They were willing to lay down their lives for their friends if needed. But how do you live that out in a practical manner? I want to explore uh, that today with you. The church, as you know, has voted for a nominating committee. And mind you, the nominating committee will start its work this Wednesday night. As your pastor and part of the leadership, we want everyone to have an active part in the church. The Bible says that it's better to give than to receive. I've shown you, Acts 20, 35 says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And most of the time we look at that as financial, but it's also talking about giving your time, giving yourself of teaching others, of helping others climb and continue this Christian walk. We live a life that is to bless others because when we bless others, when we live a life blessing others, in the end, 
we're the ones that are primarily blessed. And that is a spiritual fact. But that's not the reason we do it. We do it because it should naturally come out of our own lives. So how will you serve is the question we ask. Many people don't know their gifts. And so we have three spiritual surveys at your disposal. One was in the newsletter. And that one is specific because if you have served and you can write down your experience of how you served, how you want to serve, but others still may not know their spiritual gifts. And in the short announcement newsletter that I sent out yesterday, there were two spiritual gift surveys. And I want to show you what they look like here on the screen. One second. Okay. So if you take the short survey, this that was in the announcements, mind you, you can get the survey if you want to. If you type the word or if you write out the word gifts, G-I-F-T-S, and text that word to 832-743-3160, which is our church texting number, you will get a link to take either of these surveys. This is a short one, and this person who took it, their top five spiritual gifts are teaching, craftsmen, discernment, leadership, and administration. And it gives you a breakdown with the biblical uh, reference to what those gifts entail. This one is a longer survey, but it's a primary Adventist survey. And it also gives you the breakdown. And you see this person took both of them and they were similar. And once again, it gives you the Bible reference. That number again is 832-743-3160. And text the word GIFTS, G-I-F-T-S. And you will get a link for you to take your own spiritual survey. And I ask if you do take it, to help us with the nominating process, just email that to myself, Pastor, Pastor Marin7 at gmail.com. And so here we have knowledge, leadership, teaching. They came up in the short one as well. And so they match. And so now we know not to put this person in, in a place outside of their spiritual ministry or their spiritual gifts. It's hard to put a square peg in a round hole or vice versa. And we want to match, but we want everybody to serve because it blesses us more individually when we serve others. These are, let me show you this though. These are the, where the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. In Romans chapter 12, it mentions the gift of prophecy, the gift of service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership. Mercy. In Corinthians 12, well, let me go to 1 Peter 4, speaking and service. 1 Corinthians 12 is wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues. And now tongues, people are afraid of tongues in this modern day age because you get this notion of gibberish, right? But in one sense, I have the gift of tongues because I can preach both in Spanish and in English. And I can listen and interpret both in Spanish and in English. And there are others here who have the ability to speak in other languages. And that gift is given to us. There's gift of interpretation, helping, and administration. And so this is where the Bible talks about it. And that being said, I want us to open our Bibles because we're going to look primarily 
at the gifts shown of what the Bible has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you turn there with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. It's Paul writing. And he has stuff to say. Well, obviously, Paul wrote most of what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts in the book of Romans and in Corinthians. And Peter chimed in as well. But there are others. Ephesians talks about spiritual gifts as well. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do, you, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, pay attention to the next couple of verses in verse 4. Now, there are variety of gifts, but the same what? Spirit. In other words, the same spirit makes different gifts because in our humanity, we are predisposed to different areas that we like. But it's yet one spirit guiding all of us for one common good, and we'll see that. And there are variety of ministries and the same what? Lord. In other words, we are led by the Spirit to worship one Lord. There are not many lords. There are not many different spirits. There's one Spirit with various gifts and one Lord on whom we worship. There are variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one, and this is where we come in individually, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? My version says, for the common good. So the reason God gives us diversity of gifts is that I like how I forgot it's a famous financial guru, and it's not Dave Ramsey. I forgot his name. But he said, if we were all the same, then most of us would be useless. If we were all the same, the majority of us would be useless. But God has given us, through His Spirit, to worship one Lord and one God, the ability to perform different tasks for the common good of the church. For the common good of not only the church, but the common good of the world, that if you pay attention to the news, is sinking quickly into darkness. But to each one, verse 7, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, I want to emphasize. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as the pastor wills. Is that what it says? No. As the Spirit wills. Not everybody is called to perform the same duties in the church. Now, I remember when I was a student pastor in Stevensville, Michigan, there was a vice president of several or no, the president of several Chase 
banks in the area. He had, I think, like three or four that he was in charge of. And here is a man who gave various talks to his committees and chaired his board. But for some reason, when it came to church, he was, he was very nervous about standing up and, and talking in front of the church, even though he recognized he did this at work. But he wanted to be involved in the church. And now Stevensville, if you've ever visited Stevensville, Michigan, is a very high affluent church. And so they don't have paper plates. They have fine china in a gourmet kitchen. And he, wanting to serve, was in charge of the washing of the dishes ministry at the church. And he would roll up his sleeves and he would wash the china obviously with help of others, but that's how he gave back. And some people say, that's not so important. Well, mind you, imagine a visitor coming to your church and you serve them food on a dirty plate. Is he coming back or is she coming back? No, right? And so it was an important part of the ministry. So it does not matter how insignificant you think it is, we all need every aspect of the church to be functioning in all cylinders. Verse 12, for even the body is one, one, and yet has many members. And all of the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13 for emphasis, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slave or free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. And so you may think serving in the kitchen like my friend did, washing dishes may be insignificant. But the fact is, if nobody wants to eat from a dirty kitchen, and so it is significant, especially if one day we have our own kitchen and we can have potluck every week or have cooking classes and things like that, it is a wonderful way to express. Some people don't feel comfortable speaking up front. Some do. We all have different ministries. Some are more comfortable teaching children while others are more comfortable speaking with adults. God has given us all different gifts and we need to use them for his glory and honor. So Paul tells us it's the same spirit serving the same Lord. Each one has been given something to do for the common good and God chooses, not the nominating committee. The nominating committee is if they're doing their work, we're being led by the Spirit to ask the right person gifted for this area to serve for the glory and honor of God. And all are invited. All are invited. doesn't matter if you are a member or not. Now, certain positions need to be held by members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but some need not be. If you want to help in the kitchen, or even our podcast ministry. You don't have to be a member per se. Even worship and song. But some of the leadership positions need to be held by Seventh-day Adventist members. And this is an invitation to, if you want to hold positions that are by the leadership, that if you're not baptized, now's the time. Now's the time to surrender to God, to be part of his body. Continuing, jump to verses 25 and 26. Because before we get there, Paul goes on to argue. Imagine the I saying, 
Oh, look, I'm not the brain, so I don't want to be part of the body. But would you like to live without your eyes? No. What about if the kneecaps said, I'm not the brain, so I don't want to be part of the body. How would the rest of the body walk? And some more insignificant areas of the body, right, that we sometimes take for granted are very important to the body. So it does not matter because you need a complete body to have a complete church. Now, can the church function? Well, can a body function without its legs? Yes, but it's not entirely whole. Can the body function without an arm? Yes, but it's not in total, um, entirely whole. God wants us all to come together, no matter what the position is, for his glory and honor. And that's what Paul argues in chapter in verses 14 through 24. Look at verse 25. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. For if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I think all of us ideally want a church that exemplifies those two verses. Where we can rejoice with each other at the birth of a child. And that we can mourn with each other at the death of a loved one. A church that is so intimate with each other that we know our pains, we know our struggles, we know how to comfort each other, not because there's necessarily any inherent goodness in us, but because all of us by one spirit, worshiping one Lord, having one God, are being led by that same spirit to comfort each other when we mourn and to rejoice with each other when it's time for rejoicing. And may there be more days of rejoicing than mourning. But mourning is not bad in and of itself. Why? Because sometimes it takes mourning for us to recognize our need of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to say in verse 31 though. Look at verse 31. After speaking of all these gifts, the fact that no gift, whether small or big, is needed, he says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. And that is love, chapter 13. In the end, you're not going to be saved by your doctrinal knowledge, even though it has its benefits. In the end, you're not going to be saved because you are the perfect picture modeled Seventh-day Adventists. You're going to be saved because you have the love of God in your heart. And the love of God, the love for someone else, will lead you naturally to want to serve your brothers and your sisters. And in Paul, in the second book of Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 5, we're not going to look at it, but in the second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 he says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith why we must examine ourselves because we can naturally drift away from God and if you have no desire to serve if you have no desire to be involved then you must take some time and examine yourself and ask yourself why is why is that you know, some of you are not going to be asked to speak because that frightens you, being up front. But we can all serve. 
And so I invite everybody to take that quiz and forward it to me so we don't put you in the wrong area. But look, I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus 35 chapter, I mean Exodus 35 verse 30. Because how do we get to know what our spiritual gifts are? Besides taking these quizzes which can help, the Bible sometimes, and here in Exodus 30 verse, I mean Exodus 35 verse 30, Sometimes the Bible supernaturally gives you the, those gifts. If there's a need arise that no one else can deal with it, sometimes the Bible says, sometimes God tells us that he will give us those gifts supernaturally. Listen to what it says, Exodus 35, 30. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Now pay attention. Remember, these people came from being slaves for 430 years. They didn't necessarily have these skills, but when God needed to build the wilderness sanctuary, he picked this man who he knew he can use for the glory and honor of God and supernaturally gave him that wisdom. But not only that, he also gave people the, the spiritual gift of giving because many people brought what they had taken from Egypt to build and fund the wilderness sanctuary. Continuing in verse 32, look, he was given the wisdom to design artistic works to work in gold and silver and bronze in cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manners of artistic workmanship. Had he given me that, I would have butchered it because I don't have an artistic bone in my body. When I draw men and women, they're stick figures with the triangle to signify it's a woman dress. I don't have artistic ability. But this man was natural, not naturally, had an inclination for that. And God supernaturally gave it. Look at verse 34. And he put in his heart the ability to teach. So not only was he given the ability to make crafts, but to teach because he needed others in him. Ohel, I can't pronounce that name, or the other one, of the tribe of Dan. He, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of, in, of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. I'm not an artist, but you may be. You may be a cook, or you may like doing things with your hands and not necessarily things with your mind. You may want to lead out in music or help in music. You don't have to be the leader. You can be a helper. But all God is looking for is willing vessels that he may pour his spirit to serve the church. But another way that God brings this knowledge of your spiritual gift is ask him. Pray about it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, remember, he gave the artist wisdom first in order to do these things, right? So it wasn't just the mindless ability to do these things. It was the wisdom to do these things. Prayer. If you don't know how God wants you to serve, 
Ask him. If any, James 1 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them. Matthew 7 7 says, asking for the Holy Spirit. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You want to serve the church? Ask them where you can lead. And also tap into your natural joys. Look, I have three daughters. They're seven, soon to be seven, four, and one. And I would rather talk to 4,000 PhD adults than to preach to little children. Not that I can't do it, not that I haven't do it, but they are so raw and honest that I, I'm always nervous about what they're gonna say. I was doing a week of prayer for a little school and it was the first Monday. I didn't sleep well the night before because I was literally nervous. And this little kid standing at his desk right there Right before I just about to start, he raises his hand. And I said, okay, yeah, what do you need? He says, pastor, did you sleep last night? <laughs> you look tired. <laughs> they know. And they make me so nervous. Because you may butcher the speech or the sermon or whatever, and adults will politely just sit there. <laughs> A kid will let you know. But I look at Ruth, and she has a way with kids. It's just a natural ability that God has given her for that type of ministry. And God has given each and every one of us something to do, a way to serve. You don't have to be the best. You just have to be willing. So what are your natural joys? Psalms 48 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is written in my heart. Look, you know, it may be an audiovisual. It may not be. It may be to serve as an elder, but some don't want the responsibilities of an elder who come up front and preach and have to be on standby if the pastor is absent. But you may serve as a deacon who usually do not come up front. Whatever your tendency, if you want to cook, all these spiritual gifts are not all the gifts. There's nothing says here about audiovisual or podcasting or small groups or anything. God has given us a diversity. Because if we don't serve, what's the alternative? It doesn't hurt the church. It hurts ourselves. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The alternative individually is stagnation. If you've ever been to Israel, there's the Dead Sea. Nothing in there lives. Why? Because the Dead Sea, all it does, I'm going to pretend I'm the dead, I'm going to modernize it, right? All the Dead Sea does, it sits in a pew and receives and receives and receives and receives. Never giving. And it dies. Nothing can live in it. The alternative is stagnation. If you don't exercise your muscles, you grow brittle and flabby. And it's the same way with your spiritual muscles. And so God has given us all a purpose. And so we end with this slide. 
Why are you here on earth? Right, think about it. God created us to serve. In perfect Eden, Adam and Eve were given dominion over the earth, not to rule it, but to serve it, to tend the garden, to tend the animals, to make sure everything that was beneath them in the sense of intellectual morals, right, the animals, the garden, were there for Adam to serve them to make sure everything was fine. We're saved to serve. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles, and some are prophets, and some are evangelists, and some are pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. If your hands don't work, right, because they refuse to work, how do you get the food into your mouth? Right? They're important. We're called to serve. Not only are we created to serve, not only are we saved to serve, we're called to serve. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He's calling you. In what capacity? Ask for wisdom for the nominating committee and for yourself so you may know where to serve. And lastly, if we're not motivated, Faded by the fact we're created to serve, saved to serve, called to serve. He leaves no doubt we're commanded to serve. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of age. He's with those who serve. If you want to be put me in, coach, I'm ready to play. We need to do it in his spirit. And we need to do it his way. And we need to be faithful to what he asks of us. We can't be living in open sin and expect to serve the body of Christ. We can't be living, neglecting known duty and serve in the body of Christ. But when we serve, we're reminded that our spirits are being transformed into the same spirit that imbued our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who left all the comforts of heaven to wash the feet of his disciples, even the one who crucified him and betrayed him. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.